0: We're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 167 Taproot, with Melissa from Good Evening Kitties.
1: It's called the Good Evening Kitties podcast, Joe. Get it right? Ooh. That's
0: perfect. <laughs> Hosted by Dan Terry.
2: I just got invited to a private group called zaya is the greatest
0: metalcore band of all time. Okay. um Yeah. <laughs> That's what yeah. we do. <laughs> Jeff Kane. Hi. And Joseph Wren. Hey, Mike has up. produced some of the most stanky smells in the history of all existence. But True they that. end up being some of the most delicious beer you'll ever have. Presented by Discussmetal.com. And if your gift to pop music was a poem you wrote to the man you saw in the mirror then you are ready for this episode of discography discussion i am joe that is dan that is jeff melissa is here from the good evening kitties podcast giggity
2: oh giggity we are right into new metal may guys it's back no i don't know if it's back by popular demand but it's back you know, um, why
3: did uh, I keep we, going to a backstreet boy song when I hear backstreet's back? All right. That's what keeps going through my head. When he said, mean,
2: get out of it, my it's house, just, Jeff, it's <laughs> back. It's back. Yes. Yeah, keep your social distancing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was I a sweet that, music video though.
2: I hope that when may actually hits like that, will actually be a funny joke. Um, <laughs> I do think, uh, yeah, a little peek behind the curtain kids. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I love doing New Metal May every every year. Uh, we do it in honor of the Roach Coach Podcast who's wading through this crap every week and uh, we only do it for four weeks out of the year. So, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of like part-time employees in the New Metal stuff. But uh, Taproot's a band that we've been wanting to talk about for a long time. We've just never gotten around to it. We've even had Jared Montague, formerly of Taproot, on the show to talk about Metallica and then a lot about Taproot. And uh, that, was, that was a lot of fun and I wanted to do the episode right after that but we just didn't for some reason there were too many too many mellow death bands out there that we had to
0: get through first if you're gonna talk about taproot why not open new metal may with the band that wrote what is critically the number one new metal song of all time in my opinion they are by no means the greatest new metal band but who wrote the number one single drowning pool with bodies well that's the top single in your eyes (laughs) but in the eyes of the general populace i mean poems number one
2: um controversial statement i think everybody knows poem by taproot and probably doesn't know that it was written by taproot
1: i mean i would hope it would have been
2: no i mean it was i'm just saying that like i think that there. i mean i don't know there's a lot bigger singles than poem poems like a rock radio single it's not really a new metal single. A new metal single is like Corn's Blind or Slipknot's Wait and Bleed, or um, you know something something along those lines.
3: Yeah, you're talking about the uh, the more metal side of new metal, not the the rock uh, radio friendly side of the new metal. The butt rock
0: side, you can say it. The rhythm yeah, guitar it- driven riffage of Drop D.
3: So, yeah, it, it so I kind of understand what uh what Joe is saying. I, I think poem, if you were to play it for the masses, even if they don't know who the band is, there's a good chance they're gonna know the song. But I will say, because of all the popularity that has been drummed back up with all of these talent shows with um bodies by Drowning Pull, that that's probably even more popular. Uh, just because it's an an entire new generation that got to listen to that geriatric uh metal guy sing bodies he's like the dude's like 80 something on on those uh i guess it was american idol uh or america's got talent it was one of those and uh, he's singing bodies it's uh, and it was all over the internet all over the news it was like a year and a half ago
0: right because it's hilarious when an old person does something that's not old right
3: yeah so essentially it's pretty that's yeah i mean well when you have somebody doing something because he if he was doing it from his heyday it would be from like the 50s and he's doing something from the late 90s early 2000s so that's why people had fun with it but i think i think bodies is probably the quintessential song just because of how popular it, it has become with a new generation That being said, I prefer Poem, Two Bodies, personally, and Poem's not even in my top five songs by Taproot, actually. Well, my grandpa just started listening to Metallica, like, last year. That's pretty cool, right?
1: (laughs) Better late than never.
0: Hey, guys, (laughs) Melissa's here. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, y'all. In case
2: you guys didn't know, uh, Melissa hosts a podcast called The Good Evening Kitties Podcast. That's right. A uh, Tales from the Crypt review, even though you're almost, like, at the end, right?
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm in season five. There's seven seasons. Okay. So I still have two more movies and then, uh, yeah, whatever episode, like 30 more episodes or something.
2: So you have, then, to, you have to still do your long road home and plead the
0: fifth.
1: Yeah. Okay. I still have to do those. Yeah. Got it. There's not much road, though, right now. We're all stuck at home, so.
0: That's true. You could bust out those tales from the Cryptkeeper episodes.
1: Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't even know if I could find them. Were they really on YouTube?
0: I'm sure they are.
1: Yeah, They're really simple, awesome.
0: too, because, I mean, it's animated TV show for Saturday morning with the Crypt Keeper.
1: Yeah, well, we'll see how far I get on these. I also do horror movie reviews, so that'll take up some time, too.
0: Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's your fault that I watched The Killer Pinata. Just saying.
1: <laughs> that wasn't for my reviews. That was, oh, yeah, was that for my reviews? No, I think I just told you that because I watch it and I'm like, this movie is ridiculous. So, hey, Joe, it, did you enjoy it? I mean, no. I mean, the second half's pretty bad.
0: I enjoyed it, but not for the reason that most people tend to enjoy movies. As I have been known to enjoy ridiculous, over the top, low budget shit. I mean, I'm is, the guy is who is pinata- praising Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter because it has a fucking musical number in it. Come um, on,
1: yeah, that movie's alright. But I mean, where else are you gonna see a pinata give a guy a b- <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jeff's immediately interested. <laughs>
1: What I love best, though, was them trying to make the pinata look like it was trying to murder people by just moving it around and holding a knife like they would just have him scooting down the hallway. I
0: was going to suggest, let's ask Jeff. Is there any other film we can watch with this scenario?
1: Where a piñata does that? There's another movie?
0: If anybody knows, it's Jeff Kane. <laughs> I mean,
2: I wouldn't be too scared of a piñata because you need, like, what, a six-year-old with a good back grip to take it he's down? He's a really
1: strong piñata. Uh,
2: okay, an he's eight-year-old. He's really mad
1: because they beat the crap out of his family. That's <laughs> what
2: they do to piñata? Never. Okay. <laughs> I'm never gonna see this movie, so
0: it's fine.
3: <laughs> it's just—it's called Killer Pinata.
0: Yes, yeah, Killer Pinata. the Killer Pinata. Okay. It's all on right. Amazon Prime. And you're welcome. Oh.
1: And then you can chase sold. that with chase that with like something good, like like I recently reviewed Train to Busan. Tr- chase it with that, just kind of or you know pollen.
2: crush the skull. The, yeah, all, yeah, I the, I like the all time. Mike didn't like that movie. Oh, well, we know.
1: <laughs>
2: we <laughs> are aware of how much Mike did not like that movie.
1: It's like, I had a good
2: time. But I think you could, you could probably follow it up with, you know, the all-time modern classic, The Velocipastor, yeah, which is, exactly, you know, yeah. one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my life.
1: What was one of the best scenes?
2: Um, okay, It wasn't a good movie, but... Uh, <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, with a name like Velocipastor, you weren't expecting, like, a, you know, like, a Academy Award.
2: No, I mean, okay, it, this is hard, because, like, you just have to have seen this movie. I, I don't know, I guess it's just, like
1: it's okay Dan
2: it's okay I don't know like the first time he transforms into a raptor I don't, it's like the worst special effects you've ever seen in your life it's on a $35,000 budget but like uh, it's a prostitute that, that tells him that he should start killing evil he should start killing bad guys as a raptor he's also an ordained
0: minister yeah I mean yeah Well, before we talk about Velociraptors coming to your front door to talk about Jesus, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion Podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about 5 Star Reviews. We do love 5 Star Reviews here on Discography Discussion.
2: And the reason we love them is they make Jeff feel good, even when he's not on the episode. He likes one-star reviews for when he's not on the episode. But when he's on it, he expects a five-star. So we've got to throw those on there as much as we possibly can. I also would like to take this time to shout out our wonderful patrons. You guys are the guys that make all of our stuff happen. And uh, I just want to, you know, call you all out by name if if that's cool. And that would include Alexander, Brian Dean, David Brown, Isaiah Eldridge, Jeffrey De Los Santos, The Actual Mac, Jeremy Prince, Josh Moser, Kiki Kuti, Do You Love Me? I do love you. Lance Alligood. The King of Metal. Patrick Asplund, Samuel Woodward, and Tantalized Funyuns. And dude, I really hope that's on the birth certificate.
3: (laughs) Dude, that'd be so awesome.
2: I also hope Kiki Kuti,
0: Do You Love Me is uh, also on, on the birth certificate. And now Melissa is going to tell us all about the Good Evening Kitties podcast.
1: All right, I'll do it again. There
4: we go. Do it.
1: So, if you like Tales from the Crypt, feel free to go and check out my podcast. The Good Evening Kitties podcast, I also do movie reviews that are mostly horror-based on there as well, but I go through all the episodes and movies of Tales from the Crypt. So if you're into that, uh, it's pretty much found anywhere that you get your podcast. There's also a Facebook and a Twitter page you can follow. So yeah, check it out.
3: And we've all been on there, so you have more reason. It's a great podcast, so we're an ass, but we uh, mean it for real.
1: (laughs) And actually, a lot of the the popular episodes are all mostly ones that you guys have been on. A lot of them. So you get a lot of hits on those. So yeah, go check them out. I'm just saying. Well, I got to cool.
0: give you credit.
2: It, it kind of works both ways because our Slipknot episode that you were <laughs> on is one of the highest rated episodes that we have most downloaded and uh, very, very, very talked about by listeners.
1: There are probably just a lot of maggots out there feeling the
4: pulse. So many
2: maggots. It's so weird, man. Like, I'll leave a piece of, like, a a piece of fresh meat outside for, like, three days right in the sunlight, (laughs) and before I know it, it's full of maggots. So, Dan, tell me about Taproot. Well, I'm glad you asked me that, Joe. Taproot oh man where where do we want to start with taproot we've already talked about how we had jared on the show right hey everybody um uh, taproot is a well they're considered an alternative metal band but let's be honest they their new metal band or at least they were when they started um we we can debate how new metal they stayed uh throughout their career but uh they'd actually been around for quite a while starting in like 1997 and um they had been around for a few years before they put their debut record out but um they were uh basically like kind of like a rat metal band like turntables and stuff when they first started and uh that's how they got the attention of fred durst of limp biscuit and um he was trying to get them a, a record deal through interscope records and uh, well that didn't go that didn't go very well um because <laughs> I I don't remember what it was if Fred was like taking too long or or what the deal was but they decided to just kind of look around and see if any other labels were interested uh, which led to the infamous Fred Durst taproot voice message
3: which is one of the greatest things of all time
2: <laughs> yeah you boys fucked up yeah if you could pull that up on YouTube or whatever and play the just the audio for it uh, that would be that would be awesome we'll wait. Hey,
4: Fred Durst. Hey, man, you fucked up. You don't ever bite the hand that feeds in this business, bro. And your fucking manager so that the fucking idiot loser motherfucker going nowhere. You just chosen that path. Took you under my wing, brought you to my house fucking talk about your FM on radio on press and you embarrass like me and the Interscope family. Your association when the biscuit doesn't exist. Your manager slings that name around, he's gonna be blackballed and probably be erased and you will too. He's a fucking idiot. You're gonna fucking learn from this time right here. I hope you let your band know that you just fucked yourself. You need to be associated with somebody in this business. You need something to get you out there and put you out there and believe in. It. Now you got enemies and you're fucking yourself already. You tell your friend that. Don't fucking show up at my shows, because if you do, you're gonna get fucked. All right? You and your fucking punk ass, man. You, you call your fucking manager, David Men this, these, whatever. Ask him what he's done and doing. You're, you're a fucking dumb motherfucker. You're learning right now exactly how to ruin your career before it gets started. All the love, brother. I'll
1: fuck you. I, I feel like there's a threat in there somewhere.
0: All the love, brother. <laughs> Does anybody else feel like Fred's just reading that off of a piece of paper, and then at some point he had to improvise,
3: but just couldn't pull it off? He's well, so he's, he's so yeah. calm through the whole thing.
1: Yeah, that's what's creepy about it, kind of. Yeah.
3: Well, he was a military guy, so I can see it. Uh, Fred was. I can see that. Yeah, he was in the military. Really? Fred Durst. I, I am almost positive. I'll have to... Somebody correct me. <laughs> now I'm like, oh shit, maybe I said something oh, wrong. I
2: mean, it's New Metal May. I feel compelled to, to look this up right now. Oh, he was in the Navy. There we go. For two years. So, I mean...
3: So that means he can handle the pressure. So <laughs> that's all I'm saying. So he can stay calm and, and call him a motherfucker all at the same time. <laughs>
2: It reminds me a lot of that clip that was on Significant Other, where he's all like, "My fist, your face. That's where it's going, buddy."
3: I like
1: to think of it as like he had a cootie catcher that had all the the different variations of fucking it, and then he was like, "In, out, in, out, in, out, six. In, out, in, out, four, Opens up, motherfucker. That's what I got to say next. Okay, right, on well, that one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> With this uh, podcast not being about Fred Durst, we did that last year. Um <laughs> yeah that's just completely messed up like if you i mean if you really think about it you basically send a demo to what i would assume would have been an idol like figure at the time that idol likes your stuff you guys go you guys hang out you guys you know form that relationship and then all of a sudden you go to another another state to play a showcase somewhere else and the dude totally turns on you like an angry cat i mean how do you handle something like that
3: uh, with class I think they did a pretty good job I they said so they too. were they said they were going to take their time and they were going to find what the right fit was for them and I mean they they did I think it ended up working out well for them. You know, did they become the mega superstars that Limp Bizkit is? No. Is it controversial with me saying that uh, I prefer the first three albums from Taproot more than anything else from Limp Bizkit? Oh, you you mean uh, the first
2: three? The first three Taproot albums, uh, Nothing, Mintobi, and Upon Us, released in 1998, 1998, 1999, respectively.
3: I'm not talking about their indie stuff. I'm talking about, (laughs) you know what I'm saying. 2000.
0: Gift and what a gift it was!
3: Yeah, it was <laughs> uh, it was good. It's not my favorite, but uh, it was uh, this was more the uh, the rap rock thing that they had going earlier. Gift had a lot more of that than uh, their subsequent releases did. And so I don't really
2: I, I don't really hear too much rap rock on this record. I mean, it's it's more I would say alternative rock. Um, there there's like one or two songs that have a little bit of rapping in them. But, I mean, for the most part, it's
3: pretty much just Steven screaming and singing. I'm probably just thinking, what is it, I? I just, yeah. That one just keeps getting stuck in my head on this album. Yeah. And I, and I like it. It just, uh, It's just different for me. Their
2: earlier releases incorporated a lot more of the rap metal stuff. Um, they had kind of moved. I don't want to say they'd moved on from that at this point, because, I mean, there still is some of it. But this record sounds to me like just an amalgamation of a lot of different bands. Um, like they they did a whole lot of like. There's a little bit of um, a little bit of corn, a little bit of a little bit of Limp biscuit, believe it or not. After all that, um, and like his vocals sound a little bit like. There's really no nice way to say it. Like a whinier, like incubus type type of uh, type of vocal. Yeah. Um, I do think he had a little bit too heavy of a whine on his voice. That does get better later on in their career, but early on. Um, it was always a little much for me. Like, it was just a little too whiny for me. But that's just his singing voice. When it comes to dudes' screams, They're that's sick. where it's at. I mean, high-pitched, throaty, growl screams that you really didn't get from very many new metal records. Uh, Korn did it a few times, but Korn, it was more like they used, like, effects to get that sound. This is, this is all Steven, man. <laughs> like, he is shredding those out
1: yeah a couple songs stuck out for me uh definitely i mean i i definitely remembered that one because i hadn't listened to a whole lot of taproot until like welcome came along yeah. um but like other songs like smile emotional times impact they also brought uh forward a couple songs from their eps like uh, mirrors reflection they kept bringing you know working on a lot uh, bringing that one up but yeah i mean it, was, it wasn't too bad
0: Mirror's Reflection's a lot better than The Mirror's Truth. (laughs) (laughs) Um. To me, this one sounds like the year 2000. The guitars are in drop D. The band's fucking playing power chords. Slowed down a little bit. They got some groove. It's not a picture-perfect representation of what new metal is, but it was definitely in the ballpark of this is what it's going to sound like.
2: Yeah, I mean, this record is, you know, in, in Jared's book, uh, Jared Montague's book, he says that, you know, they called the record gift as it was a gift to all their fans. Um, because this is this is more the probably the most in the style of their older stuff, you know, um, and this was the first time that they were taking their sound and putting it like big budget, like out there for the world to see. Uh, And I think in that regard, it largely succeeds. This is probably my favorite era of Taproot because there's a darkness to it um that kind of goes away over time and uh this song was great there's a b-side off of this song called day by day that they actually just released as a single for some reason on spotify uh but it's a uh but that song day by day was the first taproot song i ever heard and it was um very loud very screamy i heard it the first time on the dracula 2000 soundtrack of all soundtracks and um i I was hooked and then i remember buying this record and being upset because uh that song wasn't on the record (laughs) And I just assumed that it would be, but I, I definitely still enjoyed the rest of the record because it was very much in the same vein.
0: Would you believe that soundtrack is actually difficult to find today? It used to be oh, everywhere, mean, but you cannot buy that soundtrack, Amazon or anywhere. It's just not there.
2: It's behind me somewhere. It was my brother's. I asked him if I could borrow it, and I never gave it back.
0: Are we ready for Welcome? Their most so?
1: successful album.
0: Oh, yes. Why would that be, Melissa? <laughs>
1: it probably is a poem.
0: God damn damn it's because of poem
1: it's a solid song
0: it is a solid rock song i feel a predisposed joy towards this record knowing fully well that toby wright had his hands all over the production but the record opens with mine it opens with a very dark aggressive but slower paced new metal song there's an aspect of new metal that i would best illustrate as listen to third strike now come back over to listen to taproot the melody is something that i love in new metal i know the general consensus is new metal is heavy metal with hip-hop vocals but there's also melodies in there and this gives me an old
3: school corn vibe of john davis before the choir of johns yeah so when i heard mine for the first time i freaked out because I'm a huge harmony guy and I was like this is exactly what I'm looking for as a replacement because I've been a I was a I still am a huge guy loves underwater fan I was a huge Allison Chains fan and one of the big reasons why I love both of those bands still is the vocal harmonies and, and how haunting they are and if mine is just is in the same vein and I I love it 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 is probably my favorite. Taproot song is mine. I seriously, as I was waiting, because I had everything set up for Discord, and we switched over to Skype while I was waiting for you guys after I got it set up, I seriously listened to that song like three or four times in a row just because I love it that much. It is one of my favorite songs of this era and of this genre. It, I I'd never get tired of it. Ever, and I, I can't. T- I, I've listened to that song thousands of times, and I drive my my house nuts. I'll, everybody that lives with me, because I sing it all the time, and they're like, "Dude, give it a rest." I'm like, "I can't. I love the song too much."
1: I was glad to hear you mention alice in Chains. I definitely heard that a little bit, especially in the song uh, "Myself." Was another one that I kind of remind me of a little yes. bit of that. I do like the drumming in this album a lot. There's a lot of symbol work that I can appreciate.
0: Absolutely. That's our boy, Jared. (laughs) When we did talk to Jared Montague and Toby Wright pretty much confirmed it when we talked to him at Rockin' Pod a few years ago, Jared nearly lost his job as the drummer for Taproot on the record Welcome. And Jared busted his ass, got his licks in shape, and what you have is some of his most intense grooves. Even though he is arguably a more paced player. He's not doing a ton of tricks or trying to show off the best licks in the room. He's trying to play the fucking beat, but he's trying to do it in a way that makes it interesting to me. And sometimes you just got to lean back and let the pace of the song lead the groove instead of just playing straight double bass and hit the snare drum and see what happens. I like that too, though.
2: (laughs) I think this album is about 3% new metal and about 97% mid-2000s alternative rock.
3: And I happen to like the uh, mid-2000s alternative rock. Yeah, dude, I this is right this is right up my alley, man. I, I love this album.
2: It's not up mine as much. Uh yeah, sure Steven screams on it a little bit. I like his screaming, but like I can go listen to other bands that scream like that the entire time and be happy. Um so that's not my main that's not my main gripe. My main gripe is just that compared to poem or not poem, I'm sorry. Compared to gift that record was really all over the place as far as composition goes. A lot of different elements working their way in and out of the songs. This record is outrageously formulaic, formulaic in comparison to that. Um, every song starts you you get basically a song can start softer it can start with you know a couple of banging riffs but ultimately you're going to get 15 to 20 seconds into the song everything's going to drop out and then uh, and then Steven's going to come in clean um, and it's, it's frustrating.
1: It did happen quite a bit it, yeah. not
2: quite a bit on almost every single song yeah. like I mean it, it's more the formula than it isn't the formula uh, well
1: that's
3: because they're on a major label that is looking for the formula and they are with the formula master who does it better than just about anybody else in rock and metal as far when it comes to production so i mean this is music for the masses and this is not music for dan
2: it bums me (laughs) out because the first one very much was that
3: right and i understand to
2: be that drastic of a shift a lot of bands take two or three albums to get to this point um this was just like immediate and i know like after reading jared's book that like they had thrown out tons and tons and tons of ideas they probably had a completely different album you know in the can ready to record before toby came in and was like no nah, no nah, this ain't gonna work um i love the screaming on gift a lot the, this record uh i mean i guess i like it but it's so compart. it's almost like whenever they need to scream somebody's just hitting a button on the computer that says okay scream right here y- you know it's like the screaming is so minimalized and so buried in the mix of these songs that they might as well not even be there like and it that's takes, that's it takes why the I, ingredients. It, it, but it, it takes the main ingredient, the thing that I liked the most out of the band, was the unpredictability. Like day by day, you go back and listen to that song, and you know it starts off. It starts off with him like yell rapping, like very emotional, and then like a second later, he's he's in this like ball busting just intense, deep, guttural, animalistic scream. You put that song next to a song like Poem, it's not even the same band, even though it is.
3: Yeah, this is going to be one of those times where I actually thoroughly enjoy the softer side of a band and that almost never happens uh whenever we do these reviews it's most of the time i'm in i'm in dan's corner 98 percent of the time but this is going to be one of the very few times where i'm going to say that i actually like the mainstream version of this band a ton Uh, i'd i'd like the alt-rock version of taproot i Love the alt root version, the alt alt rock version of. Uh, <laughs> let me say that again. <laughs> Sorry, I love the alt rock version of Taproot. I think it's amazing for a you know radio play friendly you know music. This is perfect for me. You're not alone in that.
0: I'm a fan of good songs, entertaining songs, simple songs. Sometimes I don't think that Taproot. Called up Toby Wright and said, "We want our record to sound like Allison Chains." So Toby would just add a shit ton of layers and harmonies to make them sound kind of like Lane Staley and Jerry Cantrell. I think if you are gonna call up the guy that gets credit for making Allison Chains on tape sound like Allison Chains, you are gonna get a piece of that in your music. There is a certain quality to laid back melodic alternative rock music of this type that just sounds like two guys could be playing it with acoustic guitars and singing into microphones at the coffee shop stage. Depending on what day it is, Dan hates that. He absolutely hates that. If... Depending on the band, if it can be played with one guitar and two vocals, Dan hates it. Needs it to be a little more complex than that. And I'm sure there's a piece of this that is so simple. Dan says, if I wanted to listen to this, I would just listen to Godsmack. No, I'd probably still listen to this.
3: <laughs> Joe just wants to listen much, to Godsmack.
0: <laughs> there's not as much macho tough
2: guy crap in this as there is in Godsmack. Um, you know, you guys say all that like good songs and and and, and all that. And, and I'm at. I don't want people to think that I'm saying that. Welcome is a bad record or that the material on it is not good, but it is extremely formulaic. And I can understand why there were probably some people that bought this CD thinking like, "Oh, every song is going to be like poem," and they were right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's not a bad thing, you know. When I when I bought Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory and every song sounded like uh, One Step Closer, I was fine with that. Um, but I, I think with a case of Taproot, I, I got so emotionally attached to Gift. And, and and those songs and that level of aggression and darkness. And this is like if just looking at the cover of the record where it's like a one ray of light shining through a dark room. And then you look at the cover of Gift, which is like all uh, two hands out in only darkness. There is a little bit of a light shining through there, too. Like, they're very, the covers are intentionally very similar to each other. Um, Gift is a sincere record written by a bunch of guys that had real feelings and everything like that. Welcome is an approximation of that, with a whole team of people trying to find what was special about the first record.
0: And recording with Toby Wright so you're gonna get the singles treatment for every single song. We don't necessarily know which song is going to take the radio world by storm, but it's gonna be one of these. It just happened to be Poem. That was the one they picked, and mine shortly after that. You're welcome, Jeff.
3: Yes, thank you. (laughs) So what says you, Melissa? What is your uh, feeling on that? I know Dan and I kind of beat a dead horse to death, but you want in on the action?
1: On the album, just as a whole? I mean, mean, there's a reason it's the most successful album by following the the algorithms that you use to, to build a lot of radio-friendly songs, things like that. Um, I mean, a couple other songs that kind of stood out to me uh, were like Fault and Everything, uh, Remain. This is definitely the album I heard most of. Like, my brother had this album, so that's how... Like, as I was going through these, I was like, Oh yeah, that's right, okay, yeah. Because I knew I knew Taproot. I just didn't get as deep into them after, probably after Blue Sky Research. It didn't... I kind of dropped off, but uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, you weren't the only one.
0: <laughs> 2005, Daydreaming. I'm sorry, Blue Sky Research. All right, Dan,
3: go ahead and shit on it. Let's hear it.
2: <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow your guys' minds right now.
0: I like this record a lot more than I like Welcome. Really? Yeah. Okay. Is it because it's trippy as fuck and it kind of scratches the incubus itch? It does a little bit more.
2: What I like about this record is every single song on it doesn't
0: sound the same.
2: I like that this record it was a pain. I mean, I read again. I read Jared's book, True Rock Stars, about the creation of this album and how hard it was. That the record label wanted another poem. They didn't get that uh, on on Blue Sky Research. Um, they got a much more subdued band and it's not to say that there aren't a couple of like heavier songs on it but it's like heavier slower mellow music it's still thick and i actually do think it's thicker i think i think the heavier parts actually punch harder than they've punched since the first album and it's just overall a more honest musical delivery than what we'd gotten on
3: welcome i would say they wanted another poem but what they got instead was a fucking masterpiece one of my you love this i Love this album. Love it, love it, love it, love it. It is uh, so many layers. It just... It's beautiful. I think it is criminally underrated. And uh, I have to say, uh, shame on you, Atlantic, for doing everything you could to des- to derail and destroy this album and this this band. Because this is an epic release in- to me. I-, I think it's some of Toby Wright's best work as well. I love this album. I think this is... Uh, From that time, this is one of my, from the mid-2000s, this is one of my favorite albums from the mid-2000s, hands down. I love it. It makes sense that they tried to kill it.
0: When you have a band that gives you the number one song of the year, you've officially typecast that band. They didn't typecast themselves. They were just hanging out with Toby Wright, making the best record they could. So now they have an idea for something new, which is not an entire record of poems, pardon the pun. (laughs) Of course you're going to shit on that because they're not giving you what you're expecting. It's the definition of why can't you guys just write another poem? We can go make a shit ton of money. Yeah, but we don't want to do that. We want to put out this almost experimental journey. I feel like the, the title Blue Sky Research is almost prophetic in that way. It's like, if you look up at the sky, what do you see or what do you hear? Well, you're going to hear a lot of random shit that might make you feel a, a different way than just listening to poem and dancing for 20 minutes.
2: So, and, what is this, and this record is overall much more sincere uh, than Welcome was. Uh, Steven's vocals are, or his singing voice is... 175 percent improved over what it was on the first two records.
0: That's an awfully specific percentage, sir.
2: Well, you know, I just <laughs> I try to be I try to be concise. I try to be clear. Um, this is obviously not a go-to record for me in the sense that, like, I'm not just gonna pop it on and listen to it. But when I'm when I'm listening to this band's albums in a week and I'm comparing and contrasting, just how they're making me feel, this was kind of a breath of fresh air after listening to. Gift, which was awesome. And then listening to welcome, which was like a, a not good version of that first record. <laughs> and then, but then you get to this and it's something totally different. So it's like a, it's like a palate cleanser. I don't, I don't go into this with some preconceived expectation. I mean, I can tell you what my expectation was going in. Oh God, if they make this more formulaic than welcome, I'm out. I'm going to call Joe. I'm going to tell him we're not doing the episode. It's It's over. I'm not doing it. Um, because it's just gonna be nothing but negativity throughout. And I was very pleasantly surprised by this. And um, it kind of hits me, it kind of hits me a little bit in my emo vibes. It's not an emo record at all. I don't want to set anyone off. Um, but it, it, it it's it's more emotional. It has more feeling to it. and they're able to achieve that for me without having to scream their guts out the entire time.
1: Word. <laughs> now uh, this album, uh, this album, like well, for one, it's I think it's their longest album. Uh, yeah. time-wise. So, I mean, I was actually a little surprised on how long a lot of these albums are. They're at least every one of them is like a solid 40 minutes or more, uh, which seems like it would be shorter with this kind of band, but maybe that's just me. Um, but there were pr- at least four songs that popped out for me on this one. Um, so Eager, I thought was pretty good. Uh, yeah. Promise, Lost in the Woods, and uh, I Will Not Fall for You. I thought that one was pretty good, too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I find some of the vocals on some of the albums um, previously like a bit monotone and draggy, but I mean, maybe that's what they're going for. I think
0: that was their thing. Yeah. I understand if you're working with Toby Wright and he's pushing you to write these harmonized choruses you may not come in the room with the best melodies if you needed help with that and when you've just got a driving guitar riff with a straight backbeat you kind of get stuck in the rhythm of the verse instead of the melody of the verse so this one definitely sounds like they learned something gentlemen and lady are we ready to jump in the car and take a trip our long road home 2008
1: i brought snacks
0: sweet there it is i got beef jerky <laughs> beef jerky say,
3: good and say whatever uh I no uh, get our mind off of it you're not a fan of this one jeff <laughs> it's okay but it i it's not fair to the album itself because i i hold blue sky research in such high esteem that it's probably my fault and how much i loved the previous release uh, no matter what they did, their follow-up to me probably just was not going to be as good just because of what I loved on the previous release. And then the, the, the biggest thing for me was uh, the um, those vocal harmonies started to disappear on this one. And that is one of the things that I loved the most about the earlier releases from Taproot. So yeah, that I mean, it was a disappointment for me uh, because I was looking forward to too well, it's my mistake for looking for more uh more of the same because that's always what i preach against but i liked so much what they did prior that i was hoping for more of it and i didn't get it
2: this record takes more of a swing back towards being a little heavy, well i don't want to say heavier but faster a little bit more sing-songy a little bit more rocky you know they're fully cemented as basically just a hard rock band at this point in their career they're they're not trying to be they're not trying to be metal they're not trying to be um super aggressive get a couple screams here and there on some songs but for the most part that we're we're straight up into just hard rock territory um you know think octane on sirius satellite radio you know uh that's this record now what's interesting too is as mainstream as it sounds this was kind of their first album that they released independently and um, I think Sony, uh, or no, it wasn't Sony, it was Red Distribution put this out, um, or did, they distributed it everywhere. But so they, they've gone back to being an independent band at this point because things really went south with Atlantic uh, after Blue Sky Research, uh, understandably. And um, you know, this record again, I, this is not this is not my genre of music. Um, I don't I don't like old I don't like super repetitive choruses <laughs> and things like that. Um, but I, I can't really fault the band themselves for being that way because in a certain sense they've kind of always, they, let's put it this way, they've been that way longer than they haven't been that way um, so I'm not like super bummed about that, um, I don't love the record by, by any means um, but this was, I felt like kind of a step more back in the right direction for them, it's a little bit more comfortable of a sound I think it's not as good as Blue Sky, like even a little bit, I think that's one of my issues with it is just like you guys had something really cool here it would have been cool to see you guys try to explore that you know over the course of, of a couple more records
1: see i went through and i i checked out some of the eps um before this like minto and uh something more than nothing and as these albums go on what i've noticed definitely is um it seems like there's less effects used throughout yeah. the albums like in the beginning which i get when i was in a band in my first you know, you're young and you're like, how much effects I have? All of them, I'll throw them all on my song, um, and so that's changed. Like the the bass seems less chunky to me in this um, album. Um, the song, I like the song. Uh, you're not home tonight and take it wasn't too bad. It reminded me a little bit of uh, like Rage Against the Machine or like maybe POD kind of yeah. influences on that. So, but I mean, it was it was it was all right. You know, again, like, I'm kind of like you, Dan, a little bit where this isn't exactly my cup of tea, but. Um, You know, I can find certain little highlights in each album.
0: Is it unfair to say that it sounds like a band who had a record deal and then didn't, but still tried to put out a record? (laughs) Is that fair? maybe. In some ways, it just sounds like they had to do something because if we don't, we won't be able to eat tomorrow. There's an entirely different experience between Songs to Burn Your Bridges by by Project 86 and the one that was put out on the major label after they were re-signed.
1: There's a three year, at least a three year gap between this and their previous album. I mean...
0: Well, it took a long time to get home.
1: (laughs) It was a really long road. It
0: was a very long road to get home
3: yeah i I think um, part of that was uh, I think there was some sort of uh, squabble to to finally get released from Atlantic because Atlantic essentially was burying them. They were shelved
2: yeah They yeah. like, okay, whatever we might put your record out or we might do this or we might let you guys do another one or you know something like that, but it was that's just what labels do to bands that that piss them off basically. Yeah, just so like,
3: eh. It was the politics of the the industry that uh I think had them sidelined for as long as they were. So cause I know they had a ton of material, uh, because they wrote for uh Blue Sky Research, they wrote like almost a hundred songs for that. I mean it was just a crazy amount that they wrote. Now how many uh, of those songs do
2: like, you think may ended up here?
3: You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I genuinely don't know, but I know that they wrote uh just a an obscene amount of music uh, in preparation for Blue Sky Research, and yeah. I would not be surprised if some of that found its way uh, here. I, I I wouldn't be surprised at all because I mean, how how can you not uh, not use all of that material unless for some reason Atlantic had rights to all of that? Right. Because that's you know that's 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 uh, that's prolific. That's insane that you write that much for an album and not be able to use it.
2: Yeah, you don't hear that too often that, that a band would have written that many times or that many songs and then been told no that many times. So I mean, it's right. it's different for sure.
3: But yeah, I mean, it's not a it's not like it's a bad album. I'm not gonna it, it's not gonna be one of these times where I am uh, uh, shitting on a a group like I, I've done in the past. Uh, it's it's just not as good as their previous efforts and sometimes i wonder is that because you know the magic producer that uh, was the wizard that did everything uh, with them before isn't there or if this is you know because they get to call a little bit more of their own shots i mean I, you know you know combination thereof you know it i that's the kind of stuff that um I, does jared you know i unfortunately i i have not read the book i don't get a chance to read much anymore unless it's, it's an okay we know you can't read it's okay <laughs> yeah I, I do everything on audiobook but did he, does he talk about that at all
2: not really I mean I haven't read the book since we had him on
3: okay so
2: um and I even so- then well before we had him on I got, I read like a little bit of the book and then um, and then I ended up ordering the hard copy so I mean it's been a solid two years since probably I've read that okay. uh, and I've talked to so many band members now since then I, I could be getting some of my facts <laughs> jumbled up in my head but um, I think I think this record was fine and I think that it was at least good enough to keep people interested in Taproot and it's a little bit more upbeat so like the people that hated Blue Sky Research they might have been able to jump back on for this kind of record. Um, stylistically it's not that different from Welcome uh, I think it's a lot more interesting overall musically than, than Welcome was but that's not saying much after what I said about that record um but you know it it's not going to hook me but it's going to hook your general rock fans are going to be like oh yeah taproot i remember them they had that song uh poem yeah they're cool you know what i mean and they they could have been selling albums just off that you know um but i feel like they're kind of in a transitional period here where they're like do do we go back to heavy or do we you know keep going you know in our more alt rock direction which is what i think makes plead the fifth such an interesting record
0: 2010
2: uh, Plead the Fifth starts off with Now Rise And it's a banger And at first, like, I thought I clicked on the wrong band Because it's heavy, but it doesn't really sound like Taproot that, Do you guys hear that a little bit? Like, it starts off with some yelling It's not until about, I don't know 30 seconds or so into the song Or 20 seconds in or whatever That Steven's voice kicks in And then they become recognizable again
1: Well, I mean, they, they do have a new drummer in this album, right? This is yeah. when yes. the new guy showed up So maybe they're trying to mix it up a little bit
3: well, they kind of have to because the guy who was doing the uh, backing vocals before was also the drummer, and it's that's Jared who we've been talking yeah. about. We can uh, so for like choruses and stuff like that. There was a, a marked change as compared to previous materials, and that's just simply because the personnel change. That's just that just happens. So that's just the way that it is. Um, but I didn't realize how, besides Toby Wright, I didn't realize how important Jared was to the sound because his, uh, his, his voice, his vocals work so well against Stevens. That I didn't realize that that's until I actually started doing this episode. Um, I didn't realize that that was actually Jared that was doing all the most of the backing vocals. I'm sure a lot of that was Stevens' voice being layered as well. But uh, the harmony, the harmonizing just is not there like I would like it to be. And that was one of the things that always drew me into what I view as quote unquote classic taproot. And that's just it's gone. And, you know, that that happens, you know, bands grow, bands change. And uh, sometimes personnel also changes. And that's the case here. It, you know, it's it's a solid album. I actually, uh, and besides, uh, mean, wishing and reminiscing about the previous vocals, the rest of the album I actually really like, and it is because it is it's a it's it's a heavier album, just like Dan said. I I I like it. I don't think there's really anything wrong with it at all.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's heavier. It's not quite new metal, but it's for 2010. It falls into that category. I don't know if anybody's ever really made a category for this. I guess it's just alternative metal, right? Um, but it it occupies the same space as bands like Non Point and um like seven dust uh, you know like these types of bands that are wildly considered to be hard bands quote-unquote but they're for fans that like you know if if somebody just gets up like you show somebody that listens to bands like this living sacrifice you lose them because it's it's so over the top in comparison um but for the people that listen to corn and limp biscuit and maybe even dabbled in some Slipknot and Mudvayne over the years. The the old school new metal fans; these are the kind of bands that they're still listening to, and they're still, you know, it's it's keeping them vibrant because, you know, everybody always talks about how new metal died and the whole scene died or whatever. It didn't really die; it changed a little bit, but the fans are still there for it. You know, when these bands announce yeah. tours, everybody jumps out there.
0: That's one of the main reasons it's starting to
3: come back. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, would, um, go, go ahead.
3: No, no, please. Go
1: ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that, I mean, uh, like I was saying about the new drummer, I'm a, I am mean, I drum, so it always kind of stands out to me a little bit. Um, they're definitely, I mean, there's a, a bit of a difference. Um, there was a little more like kick, a little more dr- like kick drum to the way he drums instead of less like less cymbal work, which is kind of how I play a little more. Um, um, I'm a little heavy footed uh when I when I play but uh yeah you are no <laughs> but no i uh I really did like the song uh fractured everything I said was true and then I really liked release me that was one that I was like all right all right let's jam. Release yeah.
3: me yeah yeah fractured was was definitely there everything i fractured everything I said was true I yeah and that that was actually uh that was the lead single and what got them got them noticed again so I mean it I thought it was a great album. Yeah. I, it, you know, the only complaint that I really had was just the uh, it was a different vocal approach. That that was really the that was the biggest difference for me. Outside of that, I thought it was a, a great album.
0: Do we know that it was the personnel change, or was this another Brandon Boyd situation where one record he just sounded different?
3: Well, the
2: harmonies aren't the same, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think his approach is different overall. Um, Yeah,
3: so it's twofold.
2: I mean, his, you know, obviously the harmonies aren't there like they were before, but he also doesn't. It's not just like his sing voice and then his scream voice. Like he's, there's like a lot of like yelling and talking, you know, no rapping or whatever. But like it's a more loose vocal approach, I think, than he had ever done before.
0: I just love the riffs. I love the the bottom heavy riffage. That it's the same thing that Seven Dust and Cold Chamber and. Horn did forever and still do. It's what can I do with the bottom three strings if I tune them down to C? How much heavy (laughs) dirge can I make with that? And I love that. I don't want to be a lead guitar player. I want to be a rhythm guitar player so I can play shit like that. And I still do. So for me, this is like we took Gift and Welcome and threw them together and made a new record that didn't sound like Blue Sky Research. Nothing wrong with that record, but if you're a fan of those classic Taproot records, you're probably back on board with this one. Mostly. Mm -hmm. Mostly. (laughs) I'm mostly on board.
2: I mean, I'm mostly on board with it. Um, I think it was probably definitely told or sold as a return to form. You know, anytime, anytime a band that was heavy and then went a little bit softer, the second somebody writes a beefy riff, immediately stickers start getting printed that say, a return to form, you know. Um, and I think I think for the most part it is that, um, but they also keep all the stuff that they've learned on the way there um, in mind, so their hooks are hookier, their songwriting overall is more appealing maybe than it was, to, like it would be more appealing to the average listener than maybe something off of Gift would have been because you know you take a record like gift as much as i praise it you know if you show it to somebody that's never heard corn before they're they they do not get it you know but i feel like these newer albums they throw some of that he- heaviness in there but they're they write it in such a way to where it, they could even just be a gateway into harder music for people that haven't heard it
0: before 2012 the episodes Every time I see this fucking record cover, I think I'm listening to Kidney Thieves by accident. <laughs> <laughs> it just has that look, man. And I'm blind, so it's my fault.
2: The episodes, man. If there's something that I'm always stressed out about on a weekly basis, it's the episodes.
3: <sighs> <sighs> I'm guessing Dan doesn't care for this one.
1: I didn't quite get on it either too much, so yeah, I told you.
3: Yeah, I didn't, I didn't care for it either. I, I think what, this is going to be Unless Joe has something different to say, it might be a clean sweep that uh, we just didn't care for it at all. This was, for me, by far my least favorite album of theirs, uh, and it's not even close. I was thoroughly disappointed in this release, but
2: I just don't know really what what the goal was. You know, like I mean, it. <sighs> I don't know. It's got a, it's got traces of the old album, and I, I've used this comparison to death. You know over the 160 whatever episodes we've done here no pun intended um the last album was actually pretty great and was like yeah dude taproot they've still got it like i can't wait to see what they have coming up next or they put this out and you're like oh yeah this is the band that put out welcome after they put out gift it's a it's one of the they're kind of one of those bands and that like every other record's a winner <laughs> and the stuff in between like Maybe this is why you need 120 songs before you can settle on a Blue Sky Research. Um I think they're creative. I think they come up with a lot of good ideas, but I don't think that all of the ideas are good, and I don't think it's always a hit, you know? Um This record is like, yeah, we've got all the same ingredients that we had on the last one, but just the, the ideas aren't there. They're not as compelling. It's not like it sounds bad, or they tried to do something really weird or crazy or something that just... I don't know, man. This like It sounds like a weird mixture of like, um, Bleed the Fifth and Blue Sky Research with none of the stuff that made those records good.
0: Once there was a band called Panic at the Disco, and they had a style of music that was very theatrical in nature. It almost sounded like burlesque. That's what everybody said. Then they put out a record that kind of sounded like the Beatles. That They recorded at Abbey Road Studios, and everybody liked it. Then they did the burlesque thing again. Then they started hanging out with the guy who produced the Fallout Boy records that basically sounded like R&B albums. And then Panic at the Disco sounded like R&B for the next two records. This is the first time, and it took 12 years, for the band to really sound like they had a budget. But the band is still writing the same songs. They just spent all the money on the producer to layer it up and put vocals on the left and the right and over-process everything and just create too much layers of shit that doesn't actually go anywhere. This should be the record I heard in 2005, 2008. Not saying those records were bad, but after Welcome and Gift and even Plead the Fifth, the band still sounded alt-metal. They still sounded like a heavy band that was writing melodic songs. There weren't 17,000 layers of shit to listen to. But now, you have to listen to all these little things that are going on and try to decipher what the song is actually about. It's not like Blue Sky Research, where every song was different. It had its own identity. This one just throws elements at you and expects it to be better because they put more time into it. And made it sound different
2: this sounds like we really 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 loved deftones and we love the experimentation the deftones started to incorporate into their music we need a, a big sweeping atmospheric deftonesy type of record and um yeah
4: it, it's it, just not
2: it's not great around the bend was kind of a cool song but but not really <laughs> this, is,
3: this is one of those things where some of the bands make the transition, some of them don't. I mean, I, I really can't put it any other way than that. I mean, y- we were talking about you know, uh, Deftones making the switch, but we've listened to other bands you know make make the switch like Catatonia, you know, and stuff like that. Where you know, but it just didn't work. You know, it's just, since Dan's been, he ragged on me about the the mirror's truth. Earlier, which I actually like that one by In Flames, but In Flames made the transition, and we don't think they work either. I mean, it, it doesn't work for every band, and uh, this is this is a situation where it just it faltered, and I think there's a reason. You know, I know they've done some reunion shows and they've done a little bit here and there, you know, uh for anniversaries and special occasions, but you know, effectively, there's not Taproot anymore.
2: They're really not. I don't know what this is if it's just like steven richard's solo music and it's just like well taproot that's my band so i'm gonna just tour under the name taproot i don't know i I really can't i really can't put my finger on it it's not even like terrible it's not like i want to puke whenever i hear it or anything it's just They've, done, they've just done better in the past. I, I wish I had something more interesting to say about it, but I, I don't. It's just... Um, this This is just kind of a, a skipper. You just want to skip this one. And that was eight years ago, though. So, I mean, who knows how many hundreds of songs she's written since then.
0: <laughs> Final thoughts on Taproot. Melissa.
1: <sighs> okay, you guys ready?
0: I am yep. locked so. and loaded.
1: All right, so... Page one. <laughs> yeah. Let me get all my notes. Um, so... The whole time I was listening to this band, um it, it's a solid band for what they do for what they play. But for me, I can't find it that memorable uh, for me. It really didn't stand out that much at all to where I would go back and listen to it if i if I wanted to. I would just go listen to the other bands that I think they sound like, which isn't necessarily bad. It's not like it's they they aren't shitty or anything like they can play. It's just it just didn't really feel that um. Like, like I'm not sure what the word is, but uh, so so I made a burrito out of it. So if you take taproot, if, if taproot was a burrito, so here's what they're made of. So you I'm got so like a th- <laughs> <laughs> you got like a 311 tortilla, right? So 311 is the tortilla, yes! and then you fill it up with some limp biscuits, some incubus filling, you know, and you wrap that up, and then you sprinkle a little cheese and, and salsa that um, that kind of look like corn on top of that. So you got like a combination of those four, you know, maybe put it on a plate of Alice in Chains. I don't know, but, um, so it was like all these other bands that it just kept reminding me of, but nothing that made them really seem to stand out to me that I'd be like, oh, this is Taproot. But I mean, maybe I just didn't hear it enough growing up. It just, you know, but for me, it was like, they're fine. But it's like, but I listen to it again. Eh, Probably not. So that's how I feel.
0: I love everything (laughs) about this metaphor except for the Limp get inside the tortilla.
1: Would you rather be uh, in the salsa? Or maybe on the plate since he got them started. Well, bit.
0: there it is. At least if it's on yep. the plate, I can kind of avoid yeah. it you if know. I don't want to. You can yeah. dip it in. Yeah, it's it, it's the gravy. <laughs> okay, biscuits <laughs> and gravy. Thank you, Jeff, for finally biting onto that.
3: <laughs>
0: Jeff, what about
3: you? So, uh, for me, this is absolutely a what might have been type of situation because I know I'm in the minority, uh, and critically speaking, I'm also in the minority, uh, with blue sky research. Uh, I, I thought that this could have been the path to stardom for a, uh, a more, uh, sonic, sonically layered and progressive sound. Uh, obviously that doesn't sell records though. I get that. But for me, it was a damn near masterpiece. And just watching what happened to them after that, it, for me, it was it genuinely is depressing because it shows what happens whenever you don't do what the uh, what the record label wants and the politics that goes with it and how it can destroy a career. Because um, I think that I think that played a huge part in their their downfall was the was the politics aspect of it. Unfortunately, so for me, the looking back, it's always been the what might have been because. Uh, I'm absolutely in love with that that album, and uh, I kind of get a bit of a bittersweet, you know, feeling anytime I, I talk about Taproot, anytime I listen to their music, because I that's exactly where I go as to what might have been, because I I I love that album that much.
0: Final thoughts on Taproot? Discuss metal, Dan.
2: Well, there hasn't really been a whole lot of metal to discuss in this uh, episode, <laughs> 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 but. Taproot has always been kind of a pleasant memory for me. Like I said, I remember hearing the day by day song on the Dracula soundtrack and being like, "Dude, this band Taproot's like the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life." Um, this is pre-Zao, me, you know. Um, and so, you know, I really liked that about it. And then I got the album. I really loved the album, and I haven't been super stoked about anything else um, overall. Um, and it's not that I think that they're um, sorry, I got distracted by something. I'm sorry. Um, but no, I got, really got into the album and I really wasn't stoked about really anything else. Blue sky research surprised me during this list. And I didn't think that I was going to love that one. Uh, but I ended up really liking it. And I guess all, all in all tapper is just not a band for me. I understand the appeal, but if you're, if you're looking for a band that is, um, dynamic, and and entertaining and can write some songs that will really stick in your head taproot's that band unfortunately they just never i feel like they just never took it to the next level
0: i think taproot is a memory of that band that you heard on the radio and you maybe didn't know what their name was but you recognize the song and when you heard it you thought yeah that's a good song there are countless bands that you can put the cd on your shelf and you're not going to listen to them every single day but you have that thought one year from now maybe two of what was that song or what was that record it was kind of cool it had a song on it called superhero motherfucking superman and then you put that record in and you listen to it i think taproot is a band that we remember because they wrote a number one single but we don't want to call them a one-hit wonder because they have so many records and they have records that we like it's just there just isn't one label that you can put on this band and say yes this is where they stand in the history of nu metal or alt rock or alt metal i can't say that all of it is worth listening to but i definitely think there are some gems and unfortunately if you skip the last record you're going to be holding most of those gems dan what's your album of the week my album of the week is throwing a wrench in the american music machine by
2: training for utopia nice it's a good one
3: yes it is (laughs) as i say that's a little harder than where i'm going as we hear Joe tap, tap, tapping away.
0: <laughs> 140 words a minute. Jeff, what about you? Ultra by Depeche Mode.
2: Good call. Dude, I was talking to Clank the other night, and we probably spent 40 minutes talking about God Lives Underwater and Depeche Mode.
4: Oh, fuck <laughs> you, dude.
3: You told me about the God Lives Underwater part, but Depeche Mode too. Why did you call me? <laughs> it wasn't,
2: I mean, I guess, I guess we could have called you, but we yes. just didn't. Yes? I, was, oh. I was like, oh man, do you think we should call Jeff? And Clank's like, no, I hate that guy. <laughs> so oh, it's put that
0: way. Well, I'm he's kidding. not the only one. I'm kidding. One. He's not I'm kidding. One.
3: It's okay. He loves you. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> Melissa, from the Yo. Good Evening Kitties podcast, what is your album of the week?
1: I'm going to go a little back in time, get a little more trippy. I'm going to go with a 1967 Serialistic Pillow by Jefferson Airplane.
0: Ooh.
3: Nice. That was before they were a starship.
1: Mm. that starship yeah, that just was, crashed
3: yeah that was the 80s of crap mm. but no the 60s now we're talking yeah grace Definitely. was amazing back then for me it's the newest record by rammstein what are they singing about now who knows hey my my oldest is taking german he could tell us <laughs> i don't know if i want to know yeah <laughs> you know what's funny is that um i his one of his good friends their, his that that kid's parents they go to all kinds of ramstein sh- shows say it's the best live show that you've ever seen it's a,
1: it is a cool live show i haven't seen it in person but i've seen videos and it's it is entertaining it's just like some of the stuff though like okay just yeah, I, get you know, I get it you like the to, to, to bang ladies it's that's fine just
3: <laughs> yeah i mean it's kind of like the same thing you hear about with you know gore and mm-hmm. ghost you know, it's all about the this the stage presence. And Rammstein is definitely one of those bands. But you know, what's uh, what's funny is that Joe and I, both of our uh, our bands are baritones, nice deep vocals. All right. I I love that part. And there's no that's just not a normal. It's that's kind of counterculture because you know the tenors and the high pitched vocals always get the always get the the accolades. But I love baritones.
2: So you like Freddie Mercury.
0: Oh,
3: he it's can trick
2: sing it. <laughs> It's a trick question.
3: No, it's
0: not. Freddy was scientifically a baritone. Yep. An amazing range. And he was very talented.
1: He liked cats. And if you like cats, yes. my podcast cat, Gus, has an Instagram.
3: <laughs> oh, does he really?
1: <laughs> yeah. I just started one from uh, now that we moved to an apartment since he's becoming a permanent indoor cat uh so it's under a uh, a sweet cat named gus and uh so you can follow him on there and sometimes he's on there helping me with the podcast and things like that um, that's awesome so that's It's mostly sweet. him just kind of hanging out
2: what kind of phone does he have
1: <laughs> <laughs> i gave him my old lg i mean i'm not gonna buy him a new one they always end up breaking them you know how kids are
0: cats yeah they're terrible. dropping
1: them in the litter box and all that stuff
0: yeah take us out dft
2: If you've ever been listening to this show and thought to yourselves, man, why are they talking about Taproot? I want them to talk about this other band that they probably don't know about or whatever, you can reach out to us. I can't read your mind. I don't know what bands you want me to talk about. I'm just here to talk about bands. So what you have to do is you have to get a hold of us. There's a few different ways that you can do that. You can reach out to us on Facebook under discography discussion on Twitter at discuss metal. You can send us an old fashioned email at Dan and Joe gmail.com. We also have a discord server that you can join. If you click on the link in the show notes. And if you want to get yourself some really, really, really sweet discography discussion merch, you can do that at our Teespring store, which is also in the show notes. I guess long story short, read the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) Read. What's that? Read the notes.
0: (laughs) Are you talking to me? And on that note, this has been episode 167 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things Discography Discussion. And please, send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your fucking
4: money, motherfucker. Cha-ching! Please? Pretty please? please.
0: <laughs> One dollar a month you gets you into that exclusive album review feed.